The Twins are so far 2-0 on their 10-game stretch against American League Central opponents. One of those wins was pretty, the other not so much. But what do we expect from the rest of the weekend and the rest of this stretch? Do we dare say Max Kepler is back? All this and much more on this edition of Locked On Twins. So sit back, buckle up, and get comfortable because Locked On Twins starts now. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, hey, what do you say? Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, in addition to, of course, on YouTube. And, of course, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is your team every day. First and foremost, please feel free to be active in the comments on YouTube. We'd love to hang out and chop it up with you, ask questions, answer questions, have conversations, and just get a feel for the vibe of the fans of this club. Secondly, if you have questions that you would like to ask on the program in the bullpen segment, the second segment of every single day's show, send them to me on Twitter at LockedOnMin, at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E, DMs, whatever. Uh, however you can get them to me, we're happy to answer them. Also, and finally, don't forget to check out Locked On Twins' breathless pre- and post-game minutes. The post-game minutes are probably going to be a little bit more consistent as we record those right after a game ends pregame, you know, we'll do the lineups and that sort of thing if people are interested. So make sure to check out for those on YouTube under the shorts column on there. Let's talk about game time quick before we get started. Today's show is brought to you by game time. You can download the game time app or go to gametime.co, not.com and create an account. Use the promo code locked on MLB and you get $20 off your first purchase those last minute tickets to sports comedy shows whatever uh, all kinds of different venues all kinds of different shows you get the lowest price guaranteed now with that said pretty much the only ticket left in town is your minnesota twins fortunately they are home here for the next couple days and then when they come back we'll welcome home that welcome them home with the padres and dodgers kind of a fun little difference there but if you want to go to those games again go to the game time app or gametime.co and create an account locked on MLB and you get 20 bucks off that first order. Also, don't don't miss today's game. It's uh Saturday 1:10 p.m. Bailey Ober against Brad Keller. Twins brought up Ober to replace Kent Maeda who's going on the injured list with a right tricep strain. Uh big tall righty looking forward to getting another extended look at him. And Keller is basically just a vanilla righty Decent stuff, nothing too special. I've been, uh, they've been looking for him to take a jump or a leap for a few years now. Uh, tons of walks this year. So hopefully the Twins can be patient. You can be patient and listen to every single pitch on the Twins Hometown Broadcast with Corey and Danny on Sirius XM. Just download this SXM app and search Twins. So the Twins win big on Thursday, 7-1. Got a little dicey on Friday, 8-6. But they've won five of six since losing six of seven, which is good to see because good teams are still going to have those dicey stretches and you have to show that you can come out of them. You don't have to have perfect pitching. You don't have to have perfect hitting. And for the most part this season, the Twins have, you know, they've had very good of both of those. Certainly 
the pitching has has been ahead of the hitting as the old adage goes for early in the season. But I just I think the fact that the struggles were against the Red Sox and Nationals, two teams that are, you know, not not the best teams the Twins are going to play this year. Let's just be candid about that. But that they picked it up against the Yankees shows a, a, a sign that this team is a little different than in years before, which um, which I think is good, which I think is 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 really good. Um, but at the same time, too, what we're seeing is offensive rankings creeping up. I think that is something maybe we shouldn't sleep on. If we go look at our friends at Roster Resource, um, Twins pitching – Starting pitcher still sixth in ERA, first in WHIP, second in walks per nine, second in Ks per nine, third in hits per nine. Um, relievers anywhere from eighth to twelfth in a lot of numbers. So solid pitching, but the offense. And I'm, I'm going to say these offensive numbers, and they might not immediately make your socks roll up and down. Twenty uh, first in average, twenty second in on base percentage, sixteenth in OPS, thanks to being fifth in home runs, which has really crept up lately. 11th in runs and of course 30th in stolen bases because basically only Michael A. Taylor is allowed to steal bases at this point. Although they did steal third base last night, which was um, a rare occurrence. I think Billy Hamilton did it once for the Twins last year, but uh, yeah, not really a typical occurrence. But for the Twins to be even inching up outside of the lower 20s for a lot of these numbers is a big leap. It's a significant leap to how shaky this offense has been at times this season where the starting pitching did carry them. Now, when you look at this team as a whole, so you're 16th in OPS, 6th in starting pitcher ERA, 14th in relief pitcher ERA. To me, that is a team that can win a lot of ball games. You know, you don't have to be number five on all three. You don't have to be the best of the best of the best. And especially that's doubly true with the way the American league central has, has laid out this season. And we'll talk about that too. Uh, the further we get into today's program, but again, you have to be enthused about how this offense has picked it up of late. And I, I will have some uh, specific numbers re- regarding that, especially with Max Kepler um, as far as that has gone. Uh, Alex Kirilov decision time is coming and the, the tough thing is he's not playing all day, every day, or all game, every game. Um, he's been doing some more playing back-to-back games and that sort of thing, which is obviously a step in the right direction. And to say that he has absolutely killed it at St. Paul would be an understatement because his slash right now, 32 plate appearances, he's got nine hits, uh, 346 average, 469 on base, 731 slugging. So... What we mean by decision time on his rehab is he can just as easily stay at St. Paul. He just has to be reinstated to the active roster as opposed to on a rehab stint, which is a roster exemption for that team. So um, obviously the way he's playing, he deserves to be up with the Twins. You know, the the question is, if you bring him up here, how much time can you find for him and where? Joey Gallo has been playing first base but he could also play left, center, right. If Trevor Larnick continues to struggle, maybe he gets sent back for Kirilov. Um, they're definitely going to take baby steps and be very careful with Kirilov in this instance. But at this point, um, outside of him, maybe only playing two of every three games, it's hard to see anything on the stat sheet that says he's not ready to help this team. Now, again, the twins are going to know better than you or I or anyone else, but 
he is probably a better offensive option for this team than Trevor Larnick right now, which, uh, you know, seems strange to say because Larnick has been hitting cleanup for a long time. Also, too, I think I'd flip-flop Joey Gallo and Larnick at this point in the lineup against righties, which they're facing a lot of righties coming up here. So I uh, just... You can't help but be impressed by Joey Gallo to this point in the season. And, and we'll have almost an entire segment on him in the seventh inning stretch today. But it's he's been a real revelation. So if Kirloff came up, though, I mean, you're probably sending out... I mean, in theory, could you send out Willie Castro? I, I don't think that's an unreasonable proposition, especially considering how little Nick Gordon is playing at this point. With that said... Um, I don't know how eager the twins are to send down another, uh, right-handed bat or a, a bat who can't hit right-handed. He's a switch hitter. Um, so it's, it's unclear to me if that would be an option, but if you send out Castro, uh, are you suddenly pretty thin on infield help? And then also too, what do you do when Kyle Farmer comes back? And now that could be that could be the move for Larnick or you send Larnick out for Kirilov and then send out Castro for uh farmer. You know, there's some, there's some fluidity there. Um, but you also have to be mindful of the fact that the guys at the back of the bench right now are not playing all that much. Um, after seeing a lot of Donovan Solano early, we haven't seen quite as much of late uh, Nick Gordon, pretty much a non-factor. At this point, uh, he started one of the last six games. Um, Solano has been three of the last uh, six games. Jeffers, two of the last six. Castro, three of the last six. So they're not leaning that heavily on the bench. Um, so you could maneuver a little bit. And keep in mind, too, it's St. Paul. It's close. Um, you know, if they're on the road, it's a little different. But um, I think I would bring him back. But at the same time, it's not egregious if they don't. Let's give some love to Max Kepler, too. You know, people talk about the idea that he wasn't going to help this team coming back. And and statistically speaking, that probably has merit. It's been three seasons since he's been a huge asset for this offense. And and that season was 2019 where the basically they were using bouncy balls as baseballs. But let's give Kepler some love here. Um, he's made 45 plate appearances since he's come back. He came back on April 15th on the road against the Yankees and started off with uh, back-to-back 0 for 3, 0 for 3. And then set, he since he's come back, he's hit 282, 333, 538. That's an 872 OPS. Um, and if we get rid of those offers, again, this is not just to say, oh, those games don't count, but since he's started really picking it up, he's got a 1,021 OPS over the last 10 games. So you got a couple homers bookending that. You had the homer against the Red Sox and then the leadoff first pitch home run against the Royals on Friday. Um, but in general, he's hit in, uh, looks like seven of those 10 games, a couple of three multi-hit games, uh, six extra base hits overall. He's driven in seven runs. Striking out nine times in 39 plate appearances, which is a perfectly respectable rate. Um, you know, he's really picked it up, and I think you got to give him his flowers. Uh, and I also think, too, it was foolish to think you – know, trading him would have been one thing, but the idea that they were going to dump him as a DFA, um, I can't believe we ever gave it that much credence. But 
here we are. Um, Ober for Maeda has, uh, has already happened. That was announced this morning. So Bailey will start Saturday's game against the Royals. Uh, apologize for my Juan Duran mistake on Twitter. I, um, mentioned that he had worked on Thursday and that probably would render him unavailable for Friday as that game unraveled a bit, but Juan Duran had an immigration meeting and was not with the team. So uh, that's a mea culpa on my behalf. I usually watch the games without sound on. So that was my mistake. Uh, a couple quick things too, before we move on to our first break, Louis Varland is possibly an option to come up and cover for Tyler Malley, depending on if Malley can make his next start. It sounded as though the Twins were enthusiastic about that initially, but these things are subject to change without a doubt. Um, Varland has been absolutely terrific with uh, with St. Paul, his hometown Saints, so far this year. Um, 4-2 ERA, you know, obviously you look at that and you probably kind of wonder, but 25 strikeouts against just four walks in 15 innings. Um, and if you look at it, the way this had worked in recent years, he'd be the initial guy. He'd be the guy who was the first option. And if he fl- floundered, they'd have to go even deeper into their system. So again, this speaks to the depth of this team. Um, let's do this. Let's pause. I got a couple more things to get to, but I don't want to miss our first round of uh, sponsors here. So again, we're going to talk about game time, game time.co, not.com co. So make sure you remember that um, or download the app. And uh, you know, if you were, if you were ever stressed about buying tickets, trying to find them in the last minute, that sort of thing, uh, especially now with the Twins playing better than I think people had expected and the weather uh, creeping up a little warmer. I think we might get to 60-something degrees today, a couple of afternoon games, so you can use your afternoon to go and still have your evenings free. Um, so you can get out to the ballpark here the next couple of days. Uh, use game time. If you use um, if you use the app and you use the code, let me make sure I get the right code here, Locked on MLB. Uh, $20 off your first purchase. So you can snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. It's GameTime.co or the GameTime app on your Android and or iPhone, Apple phone, whatever phone you use, you should be able to find the GameTime app. Terms apply. But again, create an account and redeem the code locked on MLB and get $20 off. That's the down. That's the GameTime app. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Now, I wanted to touch on a couple more things here before we go into the bullpen. Um, We are, of course, in the opener. That's the first segment. So we're we're jumping into the bullpen quick here. But um, something to keep an eye on. I know Rocco got asked about this before yesterday's game because they had uh, an entire segment dedicated to it during the rain delay before the Twins announced a start time. Uh, But starting pitcher injuries have been, and pitcher injuries league-wide, have been up. And I think, too, we're going to want to monitor how Twins use starting pitchers. Last year is last year. If you were upset the Twins took Chris Archer out after four innings, we're, we're not really going to talk about that. If you're going to be upset that Dylan Bundy got taken out of the game early, we're not going to talk about that. But right now the Twins are fourth in innings pitched per start, obviously hurt by a couple of short Kenta Maeda starts, and 20th in pitches per start. Now, again, that is going to be a Maeda thing. But also this, this pitching staff has been – more efficient. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Also, too, just let's look at the rest of this division for just a split second. The the Twins are the only team over 500 at 16 and 11. 
Guardians 13 and 13, two and a half back. Tigers five and a half back at nine and 15, which to me is still surprising that they're even that good. Uh, White Sox, an incredibly bad seven and 20. And the Royals six and 21. Thanks, of course, to your twins beating them the last two games in a row. The Royals are an unthinkable one and 12 at home right now. Every team has a negative 10 or worse run differential outside of the twins at plus 23. And in their last 10, the White Sox are a stunning one and nine with nine straight losses. Royals are two and eight. You will not find a worse team over the last 10 than the White Sox at one and nine. So um, twins about to head to Chicago uh, where the White Sox are three and eight. They'll go in and face Cleveland where they are four and eight. So who knows again, a chance for the twins to really flex some muscle in the division, especially two with the guardians shorthanded Tristan McKenzie still not back. Um, probably won't be for a while. So again, we're, we're talking about this 10 game stretch. It would be really nice for the twins to go seven and three, six, six and four would be okay. Seven, three, eight, and two would be absolutely fantastic. But again, um, you know, we'll just keep an eye on it. All right. So thank you for making us to your, your first listen every day. If you're an everydayer, be sure to check back over the weekend for the pre and post game breathless minutes. Otherwise, Monday, we will have a full wrap of the Royals series, and we're going to be doing a crossover episode with Locked On White Sox to get prepared for that set. Monday is an off day, too, so um, we'll have a little off day fodder. I'm also working on a potential guest in the near future who has both White Sox and Twins ties, so stay tuned for that. Um, and don't forget, Twins play the Royals this afternoon, 1.10 p.m., Ober against Keller. Um, you know, it's going to be fun to see more of Bailey Ober. It looks like they're pushing him a little further in starts rather than 75 pitches, 85, 90. Um, he looks good. He also, to me, looks like former Locked On Twins host Nash Walker grew a beard and kind of like a mullet. So um, that's fun. Uh, but again, you can catch every single pitch of the Twins hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search for Twins and you can listen to the hometown call with Danny and Corey. So we're, we're deep into the bullpen segment is the second segment of every single day. And I want to listen to you. I want to hear what you have to say. And uh, so we got some comments here. Uh, Devlin, good friend Devlin Clark, who's got a very fun podcast, just had Marty Cordova on recently. So if you are a fan of a certain age as I am, um, you may enjoy that. He wants to know if Max Kepler is back. He gives Pablo a pass on his start on Friday due to the field conditions and the delay. But is Max Kepler back? I think the answer is maybe. <laughs> um, again, that stretch, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry about that, is um, I think the stretch is, is encouraging. It's, it's only 10, 12 games where he's been quote-unquote back. But the Twins are going to give him opportunity. And I think the idea that people thought they would just dump him was foolish for a few reasons. Um, you know, he still defensively impacts the game. Again, in right field, not as important as, say, up the middle. But this is also a guy in his 15th season in this organization. And that may not matter uh, a pile of beans to you or me, but teams care about that sort of thing, that kind of loyalty, that kind of whatever. Um and so they're, they're not just going to flush that just to DFA a guy who's making, you know, decent, but not crazy money. And if, if the offers weren't there this off season, they weren't just going to give them away. I think trading him is different. 
you can show loyalty to a guy while trading him if you make a good baseball trade. If you just dump him to dump him to get your salary out of there, that's a little different. It's a little more cold. Again, though, that's the name of the game. It's it's balance sheets and roster spots and all that stuff. But to just unceremoniously dump him this early in the season, uh, regardless of, of the fact that he's come back like this, would probably be a pretty short-sighted move. So, yeah, no, I think I think I would hesitate to say he's back because we don't even really know how legit that 2019 season was. But if he can be, you know, a decent offensive right fielder who makes all the plays in right, um, that's good enough for now. I mean, it might be his final season with the Twins. There's no question about that, especially with, as we said, Alex Kirloff knocking on the doorstep. But, um, you know, I, I think to this point, he's as back as he could be to this point in the season. Uh, our friend Josh Nelson wants to know when do the Twins lose 19 of their next 26 games. And the reason why I say that is because he's a White Sox fan. You know, it goes by Sox Machine underscore Josh. Uh, and yeah, you just you can't help but feel for White Sox fans just because there's different ways to build a team. And it seems strange that a Chicago team would be considered a similar market to Minneapolis. But that's basically how it's gone and their path to contention quote-unquote <coughs> excuse me sorry again was uh locking up young players and making a couple big trades the chris sale trade the um adam eaton trade was pretty big getting lucas giolito back and reynaldo lopez both of whom are mainstays on this team yuan mancata and the sale trade and you know it just it has not it's gone flat to call it flat is the disrespect to pancakes Lefsa and flatbread everywhere. That's um, they're absolutely dreadful right now, and there doesn't appear to be a path out. Probably to some extent, an apology should be issued to Tony Larusa from the the nerd crowd because it turns out he wasn't the only issue, if he was an issue at all. But yeah, I um, you can't help but feel for White Sox fans, even if you don't like them. And I understand if you don't like them. But um, we'll get a chance to chop it up on Monday with Nick Morosky of Locked On White Sox. We'll talk about what direction they're headed, what direction the Twins are headed, and preview the upcoming set at uh, Comiskey, U.S. Cellular, Guaranteed Rate. Whatever you want to call it today, I'm okay with it. Esoteric Scooble wants to tell us about the Twins getting very lucky with the eighth inning calls. Yeah, Jerry Lane for whatever reason, um, took a hard left in the eighth inning to the point where Matt Quattraro got ejected, justifiably so, the Royals manager. Um, he wasn't very good all night, but I feel like the eighth inning was kind of that, like, turning point, the outlier, the um, – the uh, just, just where it really took off. Uh, and the biggest thing to note is with how dicey the situation was for Thielbar that getting that last strikeout prevented him from facing Bobby Witt Jr. with the bases loaded. And Witt had been absolutely fantastic all night long, pounding the baseball, whether it was against Pablo or, or whoever. Um, and then you would have either had a left-on-right matchup if you keep Thielbar in, or you go get Jorge Lopez, who was shaky in the ninth, so we could in theory, maybe think he would have been shaky in the eighth too. Who knows? Um, so yeah, uh, 
Jerry Lane gets the uh, MVP for the Twins on on Friday. Uh, it's a it's a good observation by Esoteric Scooble. Uh, Jacob Tobin wants to know on a scale of one to ten how blind was the umpire on set, uh, Friday night. He said there were some mutually awful calls during the game, especially toward the end. And yeah, um, I give him a solid seven and a half, eight for sure because uh, it was uh, it was pretty pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> Fried Bryson Beans, interesting name, said, if I was the Twins GM, that's me, not him, uh, what move would I do to get Kirilov in Minneapolis? Do you sacrifice versatility and send down Castro, or do you make another move? Um, It's hard. You know, we talked through it in the first segment, and um, I'm not quite sure what the right answer is because I think your two most movable players in the in the near term are going to be Willie Castro and Trevor Larnick. So in theory, do you bring Kirilov up, but keep Larnick up and give him a chance to kind of catch his wheels from spinning? Or do you make the one-for-one swap for the outfielder types? Because here's the deal. If you bring up Kirilov and keep Larnick up, not only are those two guys butting heads for playing time, but if you get both swinging well you still have to make a move for Kyle Farmer. You're not DFAing Nick Gordon. I think we can all kind of agree on that, even though he's played obviously quite poorly to start the season. So um, I think you got to, if, if you bring up Kirloff, you got to send out Larnick. And that's um, that's a tough pill to swallow just because of you know, where he's been hitting in the lineup, what he's been doing, commanding the strike zone. Again, the, the, batted ball stuff hasn't quite been there but um do you do you swallow that pill right now and then what happens if Kirilov struggles do you go back to Larnick do you look kind of uh flip floppy if you do that I don't, I don't know what the right answer is all right before we transition into the seventh inning stretch we got to talk a little bit about ultimate pro baseball GM I, I love this game if you are gonna download it go to the app store or um go to probaseballgm.com if you use the Promo code locked on in the game shop. You get a hundred percent free boost. What? No brainer. Uh, it's the coolest game I've played in a long time. And I always thought I could be a pretty good GM. Maybe not great, but it turns out it's a lot harder than I thought. If you've had the same thought and thought about managing your own franchise, this is the game for you. Download Pro Baseball GM Post Haste. You can manage every single aspect strategically of a franchise. Got their injuries, finances, coaching staff, all that stuff, the draft, ups and downs of a season, free agency, all that fun stuff. Um, and it's all challenging and in a realistic game world. So it's Ultimate Baseball GM. It's entirely free and playable offline. So you don't even need to be on Wi-Fi. So you can play on the go and play as much or as little as you like. Um, and it's it's a lot of fun. You're playing against other locked-on MLB hosts. You're playing against all kinds of your friends. You can do that. You can... You can play against your buddies. You don't need Wi-Fi to play. So you can play it on the go. You hear about so many of these mobile games you need to be online for to get updates. And you need to get all these different things. You do not need to have Wi-Fi to play this game. It's a no-brainer. So, again, go um, Lockdown Twins listeners. They get 100% free boost to the franchise when they use the promo code LOCKDOWN, all caps, one word, in the game store. So make sure you check it out. To download the game, just visit ProBaseballGM.com. Scan the code or look it up in the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. 
Ultimate Baseball GM, start your dynasty today. Now, I wanted to close things out with uh, an article that I read on Baseball Prospectus over the uh, at the end of the week from um, Robert Orr, not to be confused with uh, former NHL star Bobby Orr, but um, he wrote this great story about how, and the, the title is how Joey got his swagger back. And, you know, we've seen Joey Gallo off to a very strong start. And, I mean, it's not uncommon to see guys like him smash the baseball for small stretches at a time. But it also, it, it leads you to wonder, in small samples, what has changed? And for Gallo, the observation that Bobby has made or Robert has made, I, I don't want to steal his thunder because it's a good article. You should go check out on baseballperspectus.com. It's on the top right of the screen as of this morning. Um, you know, he breaks down kind of like how Gallo seeing some more fastballs, which is strange because Gallo is, as you would expect, just slaughtered those. But he has done a really good job handling change-ups. So I pulled up some data. And he's faced 25 changeups this year, but no hits on the changeup, right? So you think, oh, maybe it's not that big of a thing. The big thing is his chase rate on changeups. And so there's a there's a gif in the story about Gallo taking a changeup off the outside edge of the plate um, from a Nationals pitcher. I think it's Trevor Williams, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he takes a pitch off the outside corner that uh, leads to a walk. It's a 3-1 pitch. And a free-swinging guy like Gallo, you'd expect to offer at something like that, possibly. It's a good 3-1 approach. It really is. And um, so what I pulled up in the data was that Gallo has chased on change-ups 18.8% of the time. His career rate, his career goes back to 2015, is 32.8%. So he's 14% beneath that. Now, does that stabilize at 25 pitches faced? Almost certainly not. But he struck out twice on changeups. Otherwise, though, um, the whiff rate is down 33.3% against a career rate of 46.8. He's just swinging at them less often. He's swinging at them 36% of the time against a career rate of 48.5. So the big thing is that I think Gallo is recognizing changeups are something he's just not going to do a lot of damage on for his career. Gallo has seen over 1,600 changeups. He has 65 hits and 21 homers. To put that into context, though, he has a 182 batting average. Now, this is a guy who's hitting 199, 200, 205 for his career, whatever it is. Um, so it's it's beneath that. And then a 388 slugging, which for him is very, very low. So the, the piece, and I have to, again, give it its credit, uh, just kind of lists. And again, in short sample size, there's no denying um that they exist uh that it exists as a small sample size um he's basically just ignoring change-ups and slider uh, change-up splitters off-speed stuff and um hunting fastballs and to this point it's um it's a good it's a good strategy for him and as as or notices too or as he noted um a lot of times those are chase pitches so they're not really in the strike zone you'll see a lot of them have zone ratings of like 30, 35, 40%, which means they're out of the zone more often than they're in the zone. So, um, you know, this is an interesting change. It's something to think about with, uh, with regards to how Gallo 
is uh, faring so far this season. Yeah, every single year of his career, he's been 235 or worse against changeups, except 2018 when he hit something crazy, 319 against changeups, 681 slugging, which to me is just um, it's unconscionable, and it's a one-year outlier. But um, this is going to be something to watch because if he can hunt fastballs and get fastballs, um, you know, there's a very real chance he's a different player than he's showed at different points over the last couple of years. Um, quick look at Bob, Bob, Brad, easy for me to say, Brad Keller before we take off here. Uh, it's the opposing, opposing starting pitcher on Saturday. Um, 20, 20 strikeouts in 25 innings, which is not that great, but 19 walks. So the Twins would do well to be patient this afternoon. Um, he's really cut his fastball usage, a lot of off-speed and breaking stuff, which as we said, you know, those pitches aren't usually in the zone, could be lending itself to the reason he's walking so many guys. Um, the velocity is fine, 93-94 with his fastball, but again, he's not throwing it that much. And uh, he's five starts in, so some of this data is stabilizing to the sense where we have a feel for what he looks like. Again, he might go out and throw six innings with zero walks and everything kind of changes, but to this point, um, he's not really a swing and miss guy, and he's walking people. Um, so the twins should be able to capitalize. Now with that said, unlike Jordan Lyles from Friday night's game, he's only given up one home run so far this season in 25 innings. He's a big ground ball guy. So if the twins are going to do damage, I don't know that it's going to be hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Although that's something that they've been pretty good at of late. So with that said, um, that's a wrap. We went a little overtime today, but hopefully you enjoyed it. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you follow at Locked On Twins, at Locked On M-I-N for Locked On Minnesota, and at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E, which you can see on the screen right now if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're not, I would recommend it because you can see my beautiful face. All right. Sorry about that. Um, and again, too, thanks for making us your first listen every day. If you're an everyday or check back over the weekend for breathless pre- and post-game minutes, as well as a wrap-up show on Monday and a crossover episode with Nick Morosky of Locked On Twins. Make sure you subscribe, like, and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening or watching on. Otherwise, this is Brandon Warren signing off, saying thanks for hanging out with us, and have a freaking weekend.